0: artist appeals this is erin sparler and i'm your host in the artist appeals we interview artists crafters photographers and business professionals about the business of art i hope you'll join us and enjoy the show can i make you a quick offer i'll make it really fast if that's okay a new online class. I've been building this class for weeks, months, years actually. You know, I was a college professor for 12 plus years and now I've been interviewing experts about the business of art in this podcast. I've taken everything I've learned, all the research, all the time, all the money I've spent, and I've rolled it all into a new online class just for you guys. I want to help artists have more success. I want to help you make your artwork appeal. So for a limited time, for people who are joining the Artist Appeals online class as founding members, I'm offering a discount of 80%. Plus, I'm throwing in five bonuses to make you successful. So I thought to myself, what else do they need to be successful? They need this course. They need to learn how to photograph their artwork. They need to learn how to color correct it, how to make repeating patterns, how to get into the flow state faster. So those are the bonuses that I can think of off the top of my head, then the whole course, the whole course of helping you find your voice and taking you all the way from finding your artistic voice all the way through creating a product, creating pricing ladders, pricing for wholesale and retail, educating your audience with stories, you know, amplifying through automation, licensing all the way to success. So I hope you'll join me at the Artist Appeals, the new online course to help you make your artwork appeal. Ooh, wow. Last week's episode was so good. It was so long. I had so much fun recording it that it went on for nearly 2 hours. Jen and I talked forever, and we talked before and after, too. You guys are just getting the best bits. So, this week's episode is a continuation of that conversation that we had last week with Jen O'Connor of Earth Angel Studios. Just a recap. Jen is the owner and founder of Earth Angel Studios, where she collects and curates a vintage handmade life. She really believes in surrounding yourself with beautiful things that you just love. And she buys these works outright from artists all over, seeks them out. They make felt dolls and Blythe dolls and you know, just all these paintings and, and just amazing works. And then she has a store in Florida, New York. She also travels the world. She's headed for Tokyo here in a little while to sell these items. So without further ado, please join me as we go into part two of this episode of The Artist Appeals, talking with Jen O'Connor of Earth Angel Studios. Yeah, and I like what you said about how a lot of businesses, business conversations get interrupted and that you have to persevere for them.
1: Yeah, for sure. Because I think you have to be willing to take any opportunity to engage in exchange when you can. And I think then you have to be willing to come full circle back to that conversation, which is why it's really helpful to when you're, when you're packaging your business to have sort of sound bites, even if it is a business in handmade, even if it is something that's coming from your imagination and hands, I really think you need those sort of verbal sound bites to quickly convey what you're doing, I always tell my business development clients and the artists with whom I do business in terms of building their brand you, hey, you have to perhaps have those cocktail conversation sound bites ready to tell someone what it is that you do. Kind of like a 30 second elevator pitch. Oh, you don't have 30 seconds to pitch. You've got. <laughs> You've got. If you think you've got somebody's attention for thirty seconds, then you know the next episode of Stranger Things is coming on, and you're in between because th- no one's giving you thirty seconds. You meet someone, you have you have an opening of two sentences or less, and you definitely don't want to make like it. It make it sound like it's about you. It's like when you walk up to someone at a show. I don't want to use the word hate, right? Because that's negative. I'm going to say I loathe when I'm. <laughs> that's better. Yeah, loathe is better. <laughs> when I have someone, if I have staff in um, a sales staff or sales assistant working with me at a show, I sort of ask them to watch me try to engage someone. And I loathe when I'm approached and someone says, do you have any questions? And it's like, yeah, no, I don't because I'm I'm a smart, clever girl. I'm fairly aggressive. And if I had a question I felt like asking, I'd ask, to ask you. I would have asked you like five minutes ago. So I really like to approach a sales situation with if I have to walk up to someone cold, and we're, we're talking about sales, right? Not necessarily a business contact, but you never know. You don't know who's in your booth. It could be an editor from a local paper. It could be a, you know, a blogger. You have no idea. It could right. be this fabulous Instagrammer that wants to take a picture of your well-presented display. And if you go up to them and like, yeah, no photos, they're going to be like, yeah. Oh. So, hey, guess what? I have you know, 350,000 followers and I was just going to put you on my feed, but okay, no photos. So you never really know. Who you're engaging with. So to walk up to someone and say, Do you have any questions really is is not engaging. It's not positive. Yeah, it's it's non sequitur. It right. might not be appropriate for whatever party right. you've approached. So right. I love sad. this
0: idea. What do you what do you say to
1: So I go up to know, someone, such a white audience? Well, I go up to someone. First of all, you gotta break the ice, right? So if I go up to someone and they're they're looking at, you know, this fabulous let's say it's a heirloom toy. Let's say they're looking at a, a teddy bear an heirloom teddy bear made by Jody Battaglia with wool and mohair or whatever, I might go up and say, hey, are you familiar with the artist? She's from Marietta, Georgia, which A, they can say no, but I've given them an extra nugget, right? And they might say, no, yeah. but I'm from Atlanta, which they would uh-huh. say "Atlanta." <laughs> you don't know. You try to give them, you give them a one-two punch. Or an opening, right. I might say, I love the colors on that piece. Look, it matches your outfit or wow, fabulous converse. Look, the little, the little teddy bears wearing sneakers too. I try to engage in a non-salesy way because as aggressive as I am as a person, I'm not a hard sell. Like we talked about before, Mm -hmm. I tell people sometimes, if you don't love it, please don't buy it. (laughs) I literally say that. I'm like, don't buy it because they're going to resent me or regret their purchase later. And I don't ever want them to do that. When someone buys something from me, I want them to feel that they're purchasing something that's going to spark good memories and good vibes forever until they choose to give it away or until they choose to sell it or until they choose to vaporize it, whatever. And I want them to remember that they bought it from me. I want them to remember that they bought it with good vibes and they got more for it than just the money they spent. So if you start that conversation with someone, you're engaging with someone as a human. Yeah. That's a business presentation tactic that I really encourage, especially with handmade, because handmade is something that comes from the heart, from the hands, and from the imagination. Yeah. We're not in some slick gallery with, you know, black and white photography that's five foot by five foot standing on the wall, you know. So it's it's a different vibe. And so I try to give people a little piece of me when they're... Yeah when they're first encountering my business. And that's my sort of emotional presentation.
0: Yeah. Have you ever heard of Marie? I think her last name is pronounced Kondo or Kondo. Kundo,
1: we're not allowed to talk about her because, <laughs> yeah. So, so yes, I read her books before everybody else did because I saw that her books were coming out. And if you are 28 to 36 years old and you live in Tokyo in 13 to Tammy Mart, Matt apartment read her books and do exactly what she says and you can right your, right you can kiss your one jewelry piece every night before you go to sleep but that is not <laughs> That is not, and thank your socks as you fold them if you've read right
0: right but them. i'm i'm talking more about her specific thing where she says to hold an object in your hand and ask if you love it and adore it and that yes. kind of matches a little bit of your aesthetic about well, yeah. i love that you tell people if you don't love it don't buy oh, it Oh,
1: for sure for sure. This, this
0: feeling that a piece has to resonate with you. Well, it yeah, happens. I agree with you 100% that minimalism is out of the ballpark, out well, of the league well, for not, people with children.
1: Well, <laughs> well, it's not minimalism. To me, it's, a, it's she won't allow sentimentality. And if, mm. you're, if you're someone who buys handmade, I thought of actually a, 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 a good artist friend, Jennifer Murphy. I was just looking at her Instagram last night. She's the Polka Dot Club. She's someone mm. I know since she was in college, and she actually, ironically, we were just talking about heirloom toys, she has gone from making collector teddy bears to making true, beautiful heirloom toys, and she mm. makes these toys. You should, you should look her up, because she's I unbelievably talented photographer. And you guys, the link will be down below. Yeah, she's got a gorgeous feed, and she's, she's someone who really could fall into selling to that demographic, but she she's doing exactly what you say. She loves that, that you can have something that's important and beautifully made. But if you look at her photographs and you look at the way the toys are played with, you realize that she's completely open to good memories and keeping something because it's, it's sentimental. And so I think anyone who, who is my client, who's my customer understands and respects. The worth in something because it evokes a sentiment.
0: Yeah. It's like the velveteen rabbit.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, it's not just, not that I'm an ardent opponent to minimalism because I'm not, if that works for you and you could be sentimental about collecting stamps and they all fit in a shoebox, but yeah. that's, you know, so it doesn't necessarily have to invade your life to the degree that things have enveloped mine I feel like I live inside a sculpture and I change and curate these displays all the time because I have all and I put things away by the way I Mm. buy things and put them away and then take them out not just for holidays I get tired Mm -hmm. of them yeah and of course in the business that I am I can sometimes sell things right because I collect vintage if I have bought something if I bought something at the Brimfield Antique Market and I've I've lived with it for five or six years, and it doesn't sort of speak to me anymore. I don't have a problem letting go of it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Even museums do that. Sure. Museums rotate their collection. They have artwork that's in storage and archival to oh my preserve God. I, it, I, I
1: and then in, they bring it out. I live in a museum. <laughs> <laughs> I need to come see your place, man. But you know uh, it, I need it, to see it. Yes, you do. You're invited anytime. But I think it is a matter of curating, and, and just in terms of presentation and sort of how you shop, I think people curate. If you're curating a handmade life, if you're living a handmade life, I think mm. there's this whole other frosting layer of beauty and sentiment mm-hmm. that we respond to.
0: And I think it's that part about curating a handmade life. That seems to be the sentiment behind like this movement towards a homesteading
1: mm-hmm. and stuff you see online, don't you think? Yeah, I just did a piece for Where Women Create magazine on a on a young woman who is Oh, I
0: interviewed Joe. It was the very first one.
1: You interviewed Joe, there you go. Yeah, she's Let's awesome. See. yeah, we Joe is like it's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon or six degrees of Joe Packham. <laughs> maybe if you're in handmade, it's more like two degrees of Joe Packham. Because you have to just bring up like one name, you're like, Yeah, I know Joe. <laughs> but I have also tell people i because 'cause I've been in business so long. I know a lot of people too, and it, it's wonderful that there's these concentric circles of talent and style. And yeah. I, I think it's really important to pay attention to sort of how other retailers and makers are presenting. Mm-hmm. You know, I read an incessant amount of magazines, I, I read and look at a ridiculous amount of catalogs, I watch colors, mm-hmm. I watch textures, I watch, I watch other people's displays, and I never, ever, ever, ever copy, right? Cuz I'm an artist. So there's mm-hmm. there's a philosophy and this is going to sound like a terrible book, but let me get to the punchline. There's a, there's a book <laughs> called Deal like an artist, and it doesn't mean to steal an idea. It means to look at it and steal inspiration and then go and do it yourself better. And yeah. so in terms of curating your handmade life and crafting your own business, I'm shattered by the lack of solid and good and cleanly presented business materials and displays and photography in the realm of handmade. And I don't know quite how there's this disconnect, but I often meet people who are very talented makers and who can Mm -hmm. work in their studio and can produce something And I know that I I already sort of know that they have no idea how to sell it, right? And that's why, you know, they've come to me or I've found them. Yeah. That sort of makes sense to me, right? Like you have this fabulous artist, they're a a painter, they're this textile designer. I I get that they don't know how to sew, right? Because that would be like an odd combination. I mean, you meet people who are like math, science people, and then you meet people who are like, you know, English history people. Right, two different them, sides of the brain. Right, I'm not asking them to be an English science person, but I am asking them to take their talents and at least see, at least translate. So I come across these, this sort of, and this is where I thought about presentation, and this is a point they really want to make. I think entrepreneurs and makers and people who are, who are sort of curating that handmade life and crafting that that business that we're talking about, they are always pushed for time. Yeah. They always need to maximize their effort. And presentation is where they usually fall short. And they showing other people what they do in a visually engaging manner. I'm not even going to say visually stimulating. I'm just going to say visually engaging, meaning bare minimum, engage me visually. Have that, that, sort of fetching opening nugget of interest to give me they can't throw stuff on a card table and think they're taking a picture of it and then post it it does more damage than good and it yeah. dumbs it dumbs down what anyone is making and it dumbs down what anyone is trying to sell if in fact it's presented in a poor way. And so what I was saying about that book, Steal Like an Artist, the idea is look around, look at Instagram, look at feeds that are are visually engaging, whether or not they're selling anything, whether or not it's your, pay attention to what hashtags are used. Pay attention to how compelling a flat lay is when you're holding it up and looking at it on your phone. You know, pay attention to the textures and the colors that appear across someone's feed so that they tell a story, so that they present a brand. And if a maker is not doing that, they're taking away from their capacity to present in a way that's economical for them ultimately in terms of selling or producing their goods. And it means that they're not looking at marketing in a creative manner. And if you're in a creative field, you better look at marketing creative and you better take your creative talents and apply them. And if you don't understand social media, if you don't understand web development, if you don't understand how it needs to happen, then pay somebody to help you. And if you can't pay somebody to help you, then you're not ready to be in business. Because if you can't do it, then you got to figure out how to do it or pay somebody to do it.
0: Well, you know, I think a lot of artists are intimidated by the technology. I get asked all the time, both online and in person, about photographing my artwork. How do I photograph my artwork? And I'm actually probably gonna develop a little mini course on this that helps artists approach it because they get locked up with, Well, I need a better camera or I need um lighting or I need You know, and I I think photography is actually very technical to some artists. They get scared of it and then they get scared of the social media. Yeah,
1: but I would have to argue with you and say that. Sure, let's do it. I would have to say if they're not going to be able, if they're going to be in business, if they want to just take pretty pictures of their stuff, if we're talking about actually being in business, Mm -hmm. if they don't know already, if they've asked the question and they haven't already applied what they know, I would argue with them that as an, argue with, with you, with them, with anyone as an entrepreneur, if they want to go in on their own, if they want to be an entrepreneur, they have to invest the time. They actually have to invest whatever talents they have to maximizing what they see. So if, if they know that they're falling short, they should already, if they really want to sell their stuff, understand what the question is. How do I make my photographs look more like that? Why is that person able to look at their brand? If they can't ask the second level of question, then they're not going to be successful in business. Mm. They're just going to be spinning their wheels.
0: Well, you know, photography is all about pushing that button, man. It is all about taking photograph after photograph after photograph.
1: Take 300 pictures and find the two that are good. And if they don't have the time to do that or the willingness to explore, then they're not an entrepreneur, right? Because I make probably, oh, I don't know.
0: Well, being an entrepreneur is about fear and overcoming fear. And I think taking photographs and putting yourself out there is about overcoming fear as well. I
1: tell people all the time, what camera do you have? Great. Try to use it. How many times have you taken that same picture from a different angle? Have you taken it 360? Have you taken it flat lay? Which looks best to you? And if they're an artist, they have to engage in that exploration process so they can ask that second level question. If they can ask that second level question, then I know they're going to be successful. Because and the second level question is? The second say level question press. is, instead of, the first level question was what you say people ask you. How do I make my photographs better? Mm-hmm. How do I? How do I photograph my artwork? How I get that all the time. The second level question from someone who's going to be successful in business is, I think my photographs suck, if I can say that. I think my photographs stink. I want my photographs to look more like the ones that are helping people do business on Instagram. I really like those flat lays. I love the hashtags on that social media post. How do I do that? So in other words, they know what the question is in more depth. Yeah. And the second level question usually comes with, I've tried, but I can't get it right. What do I need to tweak to get better? Cause otherwise they're handing something over to somebody else to do their social media. And if they're, if they're, it usually doesn't work unless they're a large business that has lots of texture and lots of people and lots of content. If you have limited content and you're an entrepreneur or a maker, you got to learn how to photograph your own stuff. And the best thing to do is experimentation. And any artist or maker has experimented and made mistakes with different materials. I tell people it's the same thing. Yes. Block block out, block out two hours set up a couple still lifes, take 300 to 600 pictures, and then find me five good ones.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I don't remember who said this, but I remember it really influencing me as a photographer. Many years ago, there was a famous photographer that said, if you get one photograph of a roll of, remember when we used to have rolls of photographs? It was like a roll of 24, a roll of 36. And they said, if you get one great photograph off a roll of 24, you're an expert. Yes, You've done You've done something well, the, amazing. Well, the
1: interesting thing is if you, if you took a photography class when you were shooting real film, when I did, I was terrified, right? Because every picture cost about a dollar by the time I developed it. <laughs> more money. <laughs> yeah. So you learn to frame a shot a lot better. Yeah. And so I try to tell clients- Digital's free. Yeah, digital's free. But I also, I'm a faster digital photographer because I studied film, right? So I'm more responsible about pushing that shutter. So, or pushing the button, or whatever the heck I'm doing, and you know, if someone, I I shoot at an old Canon 70D, nice. My lenses are worth more than my camera, and oh, I've a, you gotta have good glass, man. Yeah, I've I've had a long time love affair with two of my lenses, <laughs> and then I shoot, I shoot for a lot of stuff. I just shoot on my, I shot, I, sh- I have a seven plus iPhone, and that's mm-hmm. adequate. That's what I've got too. Yeah. Oh
0: yeah. You know, the 7 Plus iPhone, the, the gigapixels on it can be printed under the equivalent of like 12 gigapixels, I think it is, yeah. off the top of my head. So you, you can, can print, print up
1: to 13 by 19 practically. Yeah. And you can actually get a print quality photo if you're. Yeah. So that's what I usually tell anybody. If you, as long as you have like a 7 Plus, you'll yeah. be fine. Uh, yeah. with lots of memory. Uh, But they've got to take and take and take and be willing to explore. And that's, you know, you've got to, a lot of time artists are very, and makers are very intimidated. And you're right. Being an entrepreneur is about overcoming the fear factor. And I'm not expecting someone to change their personality or develop new talents overnight. But- Well, you help people. Well, you, but I expect them to try and I expect them. And here's the really big, big thing. They have to be open-minded to success as opposed to coming to me with that first level question of failure. I want them to be open-minded to the possibility that they can figure this out, that they can do this if they're willing to experiment and spend the time. Yeah. And if they're open-minded to that, you know what? Sometimes it happens with the help of folks like you or the help of people like me, or if they sit down and they They look at Where Women Create Magazine, and they read it cover to cover, and they take more than inspiration. They actually take some business tips. I did a a series of articles, I think it was four or five parts for Where Women Work Magazine, which at the time, Mm. which which was called Where Women Create Business. It was called Turning Your Passion into Your Paycheck. And Mm. so I I worked and researched and packaged it into a five-part series. And I did it. Had I ever done that before? No. But I had enough business history and enough practical experience that I could distill it down for people. And I was afraid to do it. I thought, gosh, I might make a mistake, but I was willing to try. And I was open-minded to the possibility that my work might have a yield, that I might help other people be successful. And it's that same thing, that willingness to, to, to face that potential, yeah, sure, you, you might fail. But then you just try, try again. And along the way, you've learned. And that's, yeah. that's the energy that an entrepreneur is going to need. And mm-hmm. I try to make it fun along the way, let me tell you. I, yeah. I, laugh, I laugh at my mistakes as much as... Much,
0: you have to. You know, it's a lot. <laughs> funny thing, funny little side story. I was reading this book the other day called um, One Million Followers. It was this guy who's big into social media and he managed to build a million followers, million followers on Facebook in a month, 30 days. So I'm reading his book. And um, I've always been afraid of trolls and people that are mean on the internet. You know, that's, I think, a fear that artists and entrepreneurs have is, you know, once they get past the how do I photograph my art and into that social media part that you were just talking about, they get afraid of, well, what if I put it out there and somebody lamb blasts me? And I've (laughs) I've had people come back and say, oh, you spelled something wrong. And how could you be so unprofessional? And I'm reading this book, and the guy says, and one of my tips and tricks to getting to people to engage is to spell something wrong deliberately. And I'm like, oh my God, thank you for giving me permission to be a bad speller.
1: Yeah, as long as he says, because yeah. they'll
0: comment, they'll be like, oh, you spelled that wrong. So he actually does it on purpose. I thought, oh my God, that's the brilliant.
1: <laughs> I don't want it. I, I'm at the point where I don't <laughs> want to attract anybody like that. I'd rather not have them as a follower. I just started a Facebook group, actually, an insiders group. Uh huh. And it's under Jen's Earth Angels. And uh-huh. it's, I've got like 600 people. I started it about, I don't know, maybe a month and a half ago. And I'm oh, not, that's awesome. Yeah, you well, know, I'm letting it grow organically. And yeah, this you know, guy I, uses paid and a lot of other techniques. Yes. And I had, I had this conversation with my husband last night because I, I, Like you know what? It's my group. I didn't like what was being said. I deleted this person's comments. I'm like, you're off. And the reason was they were overtly negative. Mm. And it was like, I'm selling happy. And so Mm -hmm. I don't want that in any way attached to my business. She said something political. And Mm. I was like, yeah, no, you're gone. Because I'm like selling shiny, happy, no politics, no religion, feel good stuff.
0: Well, it's like polite company and polite society. You do not talk about religion, politics, or sex at the dinner table.
1: Right. There you go. (laughs) But I'm amazed at how many people don't understand those things apply to business. And I clearly am running a business page, an insider's Uh page for people who support my business. So I, I DM'd her and sent a very lovely note. And I said, here's my email if you'd like to engage. I'd love yours so I can add you to my mailing list. So, but I don't think the insiders group is the forum for your political views. It's really, to be quite honest, it's where I'm selling my stuff. And, <laughs> you know, I haven't heard back from her, but she was, a, you know, she was a troll and that's okay. Yeah. And she's, she's looking for some kind of negative affirmation and I don't want to attract any negative energy um, Yeah. I never know. And I think this is, again, I sometimes I really don't like picking up the phone, right? Cause I'm bombed with calls and mm, yeah, I get a lot of spam nowadays. Yep. And, and being an optimist though, I'm, re- I'll tell you a story. Cause I, you know, sometimes I feel really jaded and, you know, I'm like, Ugh, I, I don't, I, I, I'm never confident that I'm going to be at the point where I can quote unquote rest on my laurels. I, I don't, I don't buy that. I don't think as an entrepreneur you ever are. No, no. And or I, or as an artist. No, and I don't, I think as an artist, someone's always striving to do more, to produce more, to make more, to absorb more and inspiration and synthesize it into product. And that's what, you know, rocks my world when I see an artist do that. And so, yeah, I, I, the phone, you know, as an entrepreneur, sometimes I'm sitting at my desk all day. I, I shot, you know, Four hundred and fifty pictures yesterday. I went. I was on a photo shoot, which I I mentioned to you. I was going down to the Lafayette Mill, which is this fabulous little antiquing area. And cool. I go down there because it sort of takes me out of my comfort zone, you know, and it pushes me to put what I sell in context of a concentric circle of vintage and a concentric circle of antiques. And I sell handmade, hmm. right? So yeah. I have friends down there, and we'll prop it with all sort of vintage things. And anyway, I was. What was I telling you? See, we got sidetracked. <laughs> you're telling me a story about taking about
0: 300 photographs down right. at the
1: antique store. So, so, you know, you're a little tired and, and you come home and you really don't want to pick up the phone, right? So it's easy. It's easy to check email, right? Because it's a one-direction communication. Mm. But the phone rang and it was a client that I hadn't spoken to in about 10 years. And huh. I remembered her name. Oh, wow. Because she used to be a really fabulous client that spent a lot of money. And Mm -hmm. she never liked to engage on email. And she called. She didn't call myself. She called the the office line. Yeah. I picked up. And she rattled off the names of three paintings that were, were on my site. Yeah. And she said, you know, I just redid a room. I got tired of what I had in there. Gave it to my niece for her new apartment can you send me those three paintings? Nice. I was like, I'm so glad I picked up the phone. Yeah. And I told her, I said, you know, I almost didn't answer the phone. She goes, well, you see, I was testing you. I figured if you were still worth me buying from, you'd pick up your phone. Mm, people and I thought, like personal interaction. And that was an experiential selling we were talking about because she was willing to pick up a phone and call me. And I always try to think about it. But she didn't want to buy off your website. She looked at your website,
0: but she didn't buy off your website. Very interesting. Yep.
1: And I was willing to pick up the phone and she was looking. And
0: you have a business line, right? So that's very professional. You've got to make those professional
1: steps. You do. And I was willing to, to, I really love that she sort of called me out on it because she's smart and she's interesting and she has great taste. And she just can, she can spend the money that she wants, but she wants to make sure she's spending the money with someone who gets her appreciates whatever that she's making this sort of personal purchase. She didn't want the anonymity of ordering offline. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that's a really powerful lesson for me to learn because I'm glad I was an optimist. I was exhausted. I had this busy day. I, you know, kids everywhere, but I was, I was willing to pick up the phone and give whoever was at the other end my best. And in return, I was rewarded. And so People want to buy from people. Yeah, they want to buy from people for sure. And so and I was- And they
0: want to buy stories. They want yeah. to buy experiences, just like you've been talking and about with talk, experiential selling. Yeah. yeah.
1: And she commented, she's like, I love the way everything looks on the site. I've, she's like, I've been stalking you. <laughs> I was like, that's nice. You know, thank you. She was that's like, the modern term. There. Right. She goes, I've, I've peeked at some of your posts, you know, that have been around your house and because I sort of share in limited doses. And that's another thing I think that's important that you can share sort of in limited doses to the extent as a maker, as an entrepreneur you're interested in. And I think that there's so much information available publicly. I think you may as well decide to share. It comes back to you in business. And I think Mm -hmm. if you realize that there's a lot of really worthy peers around in the industry Mm -hmm. that sharing with them is, is paying it forward in a really important way. And so, you know, you, you emailed me and said, gee, do you want me to, would you do this interview with me? I'm like, oh my gosh, if it helps you with your business, if it helps you provide valuable content for your listeners that you have me as a as a business connection that you know you're out there and you are engaging and we are learning from each other you're you're yeah. setting a powerful example for any of your clients absolutely I'd love to do that
0: yeah and it's a give back it's a give give it's a win win
1: correct and it is it is a really important thing to be willing to exchange and to be willing to share so I have a lot of the artists with whom I do business are willing to teach and willing to share and I was telling you about this Teaching is such a great way to expand your reach. This new old building that I bought. And we have um, a classroom sort of setting in one of the rooms. And we've had a number of artists come to teach technique. Yeah. And I have uh, Angela Moulton, who's an unbelievably talented abstract painter, came to teach. And I said to people, this is not going to be a paint and sip. Don't worry. She's actually teaching technique. And she did. And we had, you know, eighteen people who came in. Angela came in from Chicago and she's gonna be coming back in November as well. November fifteenth to seventeenth. Cool. We have our the building will be open again in November. I'm only opening it um three times a year. So cool. Every, everyone's invited. And she's coming back and she's gonna be teaching another level of technique. And we had a lot of painters and makers come. Yeah. Because it was important that an artist was willing to share and Angela's self-taught. So she has some things that she does that are, that are fairly idiosyncratic and not necessarily going to be on YouTube or in a textbook.
0: Yeah. And
1: we did, um, we did really have that exchange. Just like I was telling yeah. you, I used to do the, can I sell it? Where we did the reverse sort of show and tell and people uh-huh. would bring me things and I would tell them how to get the product to market in, you know, three minutes or less what could be done to make this a more marketable product. Yeah, And so I was willing to share that. She's willing to share our technique. Jody Battaglia came and taught toy making, which was pretty fabulous.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, workshops are a really great place to network and connect. My very first um, craft store purchaser, uh, my first wholesale account with iConnect Crafts was I met a lady that I was at a workshop and you know, we're doing this technique or whatever, and totally different subject. But the owner of the workshop looked at me and said, I love your stuff, your little, I showed her my totem poppets. And she said, Oh, you know, the lady next to you owns a craft store. And I showed her and she said, when will these be ready for the market? I I want them.
1: (laughs) I love that. I love that. So you've got a network. She was willing to ask that second level engaging question. She didn't Mm -hmm. say to you, how much are they? She didn't say, do you make them? she was a business person and said, you know, cut right to the chase. And so yeah. I think that's great that she wasn't afraid to ask that question. And you were not probably gulped and weren't afraid to answer and you took a chance on each other. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that she was willing to buy them want to revisit. I thought about something we talked about before where I told you consignment was BS. And I want to <laughs> I want to just clarify that a little bit since you said you would quote me, so I don't step on anybody's toes. I'm always stepping on toes, by the way, in my size nine and a half shoe. But anyway, in, if, a, if an established retail shop is not willing to commit to bring in product, they're not willing to make the commitment, the financial commitment to actually sell it. I think it shows a lack of faith. And I do think that is BS. I do think an actual consignment store though is an interesting model. And there's more and more and more of them popping mm-hmm. up where they're, they're akin to like a group shop, like a group antique shop with a, you know, consignment fee taken at the front. Those are very different. And I think those are good sort of business incubator models where people can step into the marketplace and maybe get a sense of what's selling. I just yeah. don't. I don't think they're a full picture, mm-hmm. and I think they are a great model and an economical model. And if that's the option that's available to folks, I think that that's something that's really worth considering participating in if you have a venue. yeah, I just think it's really important to be on the other side and see who the customer is is. And you have to really know who your customer is. Who are you selling to? Not who do you want to sell to, not who do you think should buy, but who's really who's actually, yeah, who's actually buying. So that doing that show, like we talked about, like entering the the arena and putting your stuff in front of people in a in a large forum can be really valuable in getting that in getting that feedback.
0: Yeah. So let's recap a little bit. So we've got the appeals seven step system, right? So we talked about art. We talked about product. We talked about presentation. We talked about educating your audience through social media and and sound bites, amplification and automation. We talked a little bit about that with photography. Do you have anything you want to say about, you know, expanding your outreach? You talked a little bit
1: about your Facebook group that you've been growing organically.
0: You got any tricks on how you're
1: doing that? Amplifying your outreach means being willing to consistently revisit something that hasn't worked before or has worked before because your audience is evolving. If you're in business and you're going to stay in business, you have to be aware of the fact that your audience is evolving. So mm-hmm. I hear a lot of times from people, well, that didn't work. I was like, yeah, but that was eight months ago. That was like a lifetime ago in a small business cycle. So unless you try something every month for 18 months as your audience evolves, that's sort of my, my baseline. Interesting. I never heard that idea before. I like that. Yeah. So I, for example, this Facebook group, Mm
0: -hmm. I went
1: in, I went into it with an 18 month commitment. If it's a financial thing that I have to spend money to try, you have to try it through at least two seasons of business. So I usually tell people seven months, Mm -hmm. right? Cause six, three months does nothing. It's a quarter. And you're not, if you do June, July, and August, that's not an accurate picture. But if you do seven months of something that costs you money to do, Uh You usually find out whether or not, so like if you want to start boosting your, amplifying your Facebook posts or your Instagram posts, if you're doing, if you decide to do it once a week, then you should commit to do it once a week for seven months or once a month for seven months. Very cool. Yeah. 18 months is my habitual, like they say it takes 21 days to make or break a personal habit. I think it takes 18 months for anybody to establish something as a, oh, I do that. In other words, you don't do it if you tried it twice. You do it if you've been doing it for like 18 months. And yeah. so you cast the net out in the same way consistently. And when you get a yield, you have to be willing to evaluate that yield and amplify an underscore to meet that yield. But that doesn't mean that you still don't do... I mean, it's great to look for the low-lying fruit. And I love when that happens, right? And I think sometimes people look too much for the easy sale or the easy buck, or they go to the well mm-hmm. too often for that established customer that really has, you know, a lot of expendable income. You yeah. can look for the low-lying fruit, but if you don't consistently and considerately try to reach higher for the person that can buy one $40 item every three months, mm-hmm. you're not building your customer base over a long time. And so I've, I've told Ben Ashby is as a friend, and he and I have talked a lot about, social media because he's a a social media guru. I'm not. I know how to sell things and I know what will sell. And I've talked to him a lot about the slow insulin drip of marketing, Hmm. the the slow insulin drip of concerted effort over a period of time in a rhythmic way so that you can assess what worked and why it didn't. Because you could do a show and have, like we talked about before, that angel come in and spend $700. That doesn't mean it was a successful show. You had 20 sales. Each person spent an average of how much money. That's when you know if you've had a successful day. Take the number of sales and look at how much was spent. Get an average transaction. Take the outliers out. And then you've got a business nugget to look at. Well, my average transaction was $68. I had 30 people. Okay. If I try another six shows over the next seven months, I'm going to really know what my average transaction is and who's buying what. So you got to look at things like that. Yeah. To really determine where to amplify. So this Facebook group I started, Jens Earth Angels, I committed to do it. You know, when it's not going to cost me anything, 18 month project. Yeah. I, t- I tend that garden at least twice a week. Yes. Another thing for me to do probably another hour of my life that I committed. So I can yeah. either put that into the shopping cart and get my shopping cart of chores a little bit more full. What can I leave out? Is there something that I was doing that I can leave out? What can I do? Can I browse social media less? Yeah. Can I you know, read one less magazine? I'm not sure. I got to figure that out for right now. <laughs> it, was, it was easy for me to start because it was a, it was a less busy time of year for me. So I think that's also good for folks to know what their business cycle is because they know when they can start a new project. I yeah, also started yeah. blogging again. I know how gauche, right? We all thought blogs were done. I'm like, yeah, no, yeah. I think blogs are done because my last blog reached 300 people. That's 300 more people I reached than if I didn't blog. Yeah. So yeah. maybe that's not a bad thing because I don't know who I don't know who's out there, and so unless I'm willing to cast those nets again and again and again. And again, I'm going to use those free tools because the blogging is free. It's just my time, right? My time is valuable. But if it took me a half hour and I reach 300 people and I make two sales, maybe it wasn't so bad. (laughs) So, you know, yield, investment and yield, got to think about them. What's it worth it for me to try to do? And if it's a maker, is it worth it for me to drive to that new supply store to try a new material that's available? It's the same thing and you have to value your time. So in pricing handmade, you know, in pricing your own time, what what went into it. So right, how right. do you how do you amplify is a really important question, but I don't think that's asked once. I think that's asked like every day.
0: Yeah. Great advice. I love the 7 month, 18 month timeline. Yep. That's, that's really my cool. own
1: experience.
0: So licensing and success. I think we talked a little bit about contracts and so forth and so on. We did that. But success, how do you measure success? And you've that's talked a, about
1: that a little bit just here, but that's a great question. I think I think measures of success are super important. And I think as a really self-motivated person, you have to be willing to have some small achievement or success on a daily basis to maintain momentum because it's really hard to be an entrepreneur. It's really yeah. hard to work in handmade. So I'm going to I'm going to break it down and say that Decide what will make your day successful. Is there something that has to be crossed off the list or thought about and faced? Success can be small, and Mm -hmm. small successes breed momentum. Okay. On a macro level, what's successful? Reading the road signs that have been presented and moving in the direction that you should. And I'm going to use the word should because should implies a moral imperative. I think if you're driven to create, if you're driven to be an entrepreneur, if you have the brain that can wrap itself around these type of challenges that we've talked about, you are successful if you look at where you are and say, you know, I'm where I'm supposed to be. Which if you are an entrepreneur, that means you're where you're supposed to be at that very second, at that very day, and you have the strength and the fortitude to take another step forward and keep doing it.
0: You know, you said at the very beginning of this conversation that you really felt like you were exactly where you were supposed to be. And I think that brings
1: it full circle. Yeah. Well, I remember saying that to you. So yeah. I'm sure, I think you and I could probably talk for forever because <laughs> now I want to meet you in person. i want to come oh, knock at your door. With, and I'm going to have a kid with me that has a ukulele. And you're going to be like, yes, it's her. Um. <laughs> I love it, it. Well, I'm not far from you.
0: I'm in central Pennsylvania. So I'm not actually that far. Probably three, four play, hours.
1: Don't play hard to get with me. I think you should think about coming up in November to, uh, to meet and greet some of these people that I have coming in. We should talk about that under separate cover. But Yeah, let's do that. I'd love I mean, that. the process of putting together the agenda and special guests for our November 15th to 17th event. And, um, you know, definitely tell us. A- tell us a couple. Throw some so, out there. Yeah, so November fifteenth to seventeenth. It's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We're going to be gathering at the new home of Earth Angel Studios, which is this super cool eighteen eighties ice house in Florida, New York, in the beautiful Hudson River Valley. And I have Mm. people coming in from all over the country to to shop, cool, create, and to celebrate. And I do best with that experiential venue, and with people feeling festive, there will be artists who are coming in to present their goods. Yeah. There will be entrepreneurs coming in to share, like Ben Ashby usually runs a social media workshop.
0: I know that name.
1: He does like abstract and um, No no stencils. But, no, no. Ben no. Ashby is. Ben Ashby is he is a social media expert. Oh,
0: I'm thinking of a gentleman that's in the craft field and he's going to want, Seth. Um,
1: no, See, okay, the go interesting on. Thing. I only work with women, except I work with Ben. So he's my exception. <laughs> Just because that's how, I, that's how I developed my business model was, t- was to work with female makers and entrepreneurs. But hmm. I do have clients that are male. But anyway, so Ben is going to come in and do a social media workshop. We're going to have a party because I always have a party, which is called Meet the Makers, which is kind of fun, or yeah. uh, you know, Evening with the Artist. And then Evangela Moulton teaching a painting class. Jody Batagli is going to do uh, sewing and heirloom toys, mm. and and I'm going to do uh, probably um, on the Sunday we're going to have, and we're not sure who's coming yet, but we're going to have a a, a Blythe meetup, which is interesting because Blythe is this little sort of social media Dion. This this yeah, she's a doll, but she really gathers like sort of all these creative spirits. People use her as a sort of like avatar. And so she's gathered a lot of people around her in terms of sculptors, painters, people who do fashion design. And so we're going to do a Blythe meetup for all of the established makers who are sort of making for Blythe and also the collectors of Blythe. And if people don't know about Blythe, that's a whole other conversation we can have. But um, Yeah,
0: yeah. Blythe reminds me of Mark Ryden, which is you know a weird yeah, connection, oh, sure. but
1: no, not at all. Pop surrealism is really linked to the Blythe movement. Mab Graves is um, someone who started out. She's if you look up Mab Graves, she's unbelievably um, inspirational, and so pop surrealism and Blythe are linked. Okay, that's just one of the art movement that's linked to Blythe. So that's sort of an. She's sort of this icon in a in multiple subcultures. So we're going to do a Blythe meetup just to gather creative spirits on the Sunday. Maybe y'all come and I'll have to put you and say, hey, look who's coming. Come meet her.
0: I would love to. I'm speaking at um, Art Biz Jam here in um, just a month or so in Philly on podcasting and on photographing your artwork, just like we talked about. So I'd love to. That'd be so much fun.
1: Well, there's always connections to make, and I hope that uh, anyone who's listening to this podcast or has listened feels like they are where they're supposed to be right now, and has been able to take something um, from this. Um, because I'm grateful, I'm truly grateful for the for you giving me the gift and the opportunity of being able to help um, and being. Oh able well, to
0: thank you so for thank being you. on. I mean, there have been some really, really awesome, great sound bites in here, and I'm actually looking at. Mab Graves, now that you mentioned her. And I love this little girl riding a bat. I love bats. Yeah, so that's, sure. that, I hadn't seen her. So that's really cool. Yeah. Well, well
1: definitely. Cool. That's the thing. You're go- I'm going to be hunting up all these people you've mentioned. And uh, I'll look forward to making sure we- I get you the links on the folks that I've mentioned, which I can take-, take care of for you by email just to knit that up for you and make sure that we really give people that, that information. Yes, definitely.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much, Jen. I This conversation has been great. And I know it's been a little longer than maybe our average one, folks, but I think there have been so many tidbits in here, just really amazing stuff and some really great quotes and
1: really great inspirational things to take away. Well, it's been a pleasure, Aaron. And again, I hope that uh, we can continue to do business and network and exchange. And of I to, course. I hope to meet some of the folks that, um, that you're able to help and just broaden, broaden my own scope of, of what I know and who I know and draw some of those concentric circles.
0: Yeah. So folks, if you're anywhere near Florida, New York on November 15th, 16th, and 17th, drop into Earth Angel Studios.
1: Thanks, Aaron. I appreciate it. And we'll be talking.
0: Yes. Yes. Thank you, Jen. So awesome. Okay. Bye now. Bye. Ooh, boy. That was a big episode, huh? A lot of information, but really good. I really enjoy talking with Jen. She is a live wire. Love it. Just so much energy. So she has an amazing fall open house coming up at her new facilities in Florida, New York, on November 15th, 16th, and 17th. If you're anywhere in the region, you got to check it out. This lady does amazing things, throws a hell of a party and amazing stuff. She's just collected the most amazing, beautiful dolls, and felted figures, and sculptures, and paintings, and just the most amazing stuff, the most amazing artists, all for sale at her new facilities. And if you want to check out her travels, she's headed for Tokyo in 2019 here. So her blog details her travels and what it's like to be curating a curated life. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode with Jen O'Connor of Earth Angel Studios. I know I've enjoyed recording it. Thanks so much for joining me here on The Artist Appeals, and I'll see you next week at theartistappeals.com. Thanks! Hey, I want to take just a quick second to tell you about a new offer I have. All this information that I've been gathering from 12 years plus of teaching, plus all these interviews with amazing guests, I've summarized in the seven-step system, the appeals system for building a business in the art and making your artwork appeal. So whether you're a photographer, a designer, an illustrator, a graphic designer, whatever your specialty is, we've got something for you. It's a new online class. It's the seven step system for making your artwork appeal. I'm going to teach you all these amazing things, summarize them all in one place and give you a system so that you can build a business in the arts. And for a limited time, we have five bonuses thrown in for free, as well as I'm offering lifetime access to this course for all these foundational members. So if you're interested in an online class that you can take in the comfort of your home that you have lifetime access to as it grows and develops and we get even more information, we'll have lifetime access to it for an amazing price of just $197. Go check out theartistappeals.com. Well, that's it for The Artist Appeals. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed recording it. I just love talking with all these artists and business people. It's phenomenal, and I've learned so much. I hope you've learned something too. You can get more information. You can check out some of the links that we talked about in these podcasts at theartistappeals.com. That's theartistappeals. A P P E A L S.com. Thanks and have a good one.